Welcome to the DCCC Youth Podcast. This podcast comes from our series of hard topics called Untouchables. In this podcast, we talk about alcohol and drugs. Lord, thank you so much for tonight and that we can come together. And even though we have a smaller group than usual, we just ask that you would give us um, clarity as we talk about things together, we think about things, and we just ask that you would help us to build a worldview on your, your word that we would understand what your Bible says about um, things and that we can adjust our thinking and our actions to that. And Lord, we just thank you so much that you've given your word to us, that you've revealed yourself to us, both in nature, in the world you created, and um, more specifically in the Bible, um, that we can read about the things that you've done and about who you are. And we just ask that you give us understanding as we do that. It's in your name that we pray. Okay, um, you actually don't need Bibles tonight because I have all the verses right there for you. Um, who needs pens, though? Okay, so we are talking about today, we're talking about untouchables. And remember, there's kind of like two parts to what we talk about here. Number one, they're mostly just kind of, I call it untouchable topics. These are kind of things that maybe, although this one is maybe not so much this way, but we've been talking about things that generally we don't talk about in church very much. Um, either we just kind of ignore it, or if we talk about it, we don't really think very well about it. And so we want to just kind of help ourselves build a biblical worldview. And then, so that's part one. They're all kind of untouchable topics. And I think also going along with that, the reason that they are is a lot of times people who struggle with these things we consider kind of untouchables, like the untouchable caste in the Hindu system. That we just kind of stay away from those people. We don't talk to them or, you know, we just don't talk about that issue with them. So we just kind of want to pull the curtain back a little and look at these things and um, understand what the Bible says about them and how we should treat ourselves or other people who are dealing with these issues. So today, um, again, we're talking about alcohol and drugs. And this is one that maybe isn't so much an untouchable topic as some of the other ones, because uh, I think every youth group has an alcohol and drugs talk sometime. But um, we're going to maybe go about it in a slightly different way today. Um, so the first thing I wanted to do is I have one verse that I wanted, or one passage rather, set of verses that I wanted to start out with, um, and it's in 1 Corinthians 6, and it's verses 13 through 20, it's right there at the top of your paper, um, it says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? <clears throat> Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you? Whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought for, at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So this is usually, in my experience at least, um, and I went to a Christian college. I went to public high school, but I went to a Christian college, went to youth group and all this stuff. And in my experience, this is usually the verse, but especially, um, usually you'll see, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That's almost always the verse that I have heard, like when we're talking about alcohol and drugs and smoking and like all this stuff, like your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and honor God with your body. The end. And I think that that's okay, but does that, it says, the first little question blank thing there, it says this passage is used a lot when oh, talking about these types of issues, period, not question mark, sorry. 
Uh, what might be a problem with that? I said that usually people just kind of do the last couple verses. Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And there's a reason I put the rest there. So what might be a problem in using these verses for talking about like drugs and alcohol and smoking and eating too much and all that stuff? I think you can use it for that, but what's kind of a problem with it that you might see? <clears throat> what's too narrow? Can you expound upon that statement because I think I think you're on the right track but I need you to say a little more you are so close it's okay I'll help you out yours yours like so we're like millimeters from from the answer I'm looking for. Um, there, there, it is, I liked your first answer. It's too narrow, meaning that the passage is too narrow. That I think that, I think you can look at it and say, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, therefore honor God with your body. And I think that's okay. But um, if you read the whole thing before it, it's talking all about sex. Uh, it's talking about sex with a prostitute, as a matter of fact, explicitly. The, the Corinthian church, Paul, this guy named Paul, wrote this letter to people at Corinth City, and um, they had a lot of weird problems. Um, and we talked about this a little before, but people, they understood that they were under grace and that they weren't under law, and so they didn't always have to be looking out and saying, oh no, I broke this law, I'm, I'm in trouble, I broke this law, I'm in trouble, you know, from the Mosaic law. They understood that they had a lot of freedom in Christ, like we talked about last Sunday in Sunday school. They understood they had a lot of freedom, but the problem was they were taking that freedom way too far. And so some of them, like Paul talks about this guy who him and his father were sharing the same woman, and like, yeah, and then there's this one about having sex with prostitutes and stuff. So people were going too far with their freedom, and he's trying to correct them and say, you know what, you do have freedom in Christ, and there is grace, but you also need to be wise and understand um, the limitations of this, and that not all things are beneficial to you. Um, in fact, he says that, actually, right before that. He says, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial, is what he says. Um, just like, so understand what, what is good for you to do. Um, anyway, so there's that. And then there's another thing that we're going to talk about in just a second. And that's that um, the thing that I don't maybe like as much about this passage is that it tells you not to do something, but it doesn't tell you what to do after that. It tells you not to do something, but not what to do. So, number one, it's a little limited on sexual, specifically about sexual sin. I think you can expand it, but, um, you know, maybe you can find a better verse for talking about this. And then, again, that it doesn't say what to do after you've stopped doing, you know. It says, honor God with your body, but it doesn't give you a whole lot more information. What I think is better to use is this verse we're going to look at tonight. I just wanted to address that one because it's used so much um, for this, and you'll probably... um, in church, hear it again sometime to talk about this stuff. Um, and again, I, I don't, I'm not saying it's bad. I just think that um, there's maybe a better place that we can use to talk about this. So we're going to go Ephesians um, 5, 15 through 18. It says, Be very careful then how you live. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, it be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> For the candy car, 
Can anyone give me the definition for debauchery? <laughs> Drunkness. Tipsiness. Tipsiness. Foolishness. Foolishness. Evilness. Evilness. Something negative These connotation. <laughs> uh, not good enough. Not, Close. It's not kind of like debauchery. Not not debauchery. But whatever it is, because it says like D something. <laughs> debauchery, uh, like you could debauch and rebotch. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> um, it's kind of like a whole drunken, out of control attitude, basically. Isn't that tipsy? Yeah, but it, you didn't you didn't give a good enough definition. Oh, not a dictionary definition. Um. This passage, I think, can be summed up with one word, and I really don't think you're going to get it, but you can sure try. What word do you think I use to sum up this passage? Just throw out a couple out of curiosity. Paranoia. Carefulness? Paranoia? No. Huh? Starts with C. Caution. What? What did you say? Caution? Or cautious? No. It's going to be surprising. The word I'm looking for is control. Here's why. The next blank's there. Um, Being filled with wine or alcohol leads to... You can put debauchery if you want. I put bad behavior. I kind of colloquialized it. Don't you love it when I use big words? But being filled with... The spirit leads to... Ooh, this is the hard one. It's not actually in the verse. Being filled by the spirit leads to... Holiness. Oh, you are so close. Righteousness. Both of those are really close. Um, And actually, I could actually just accept those. I put Christ-likeness, but um, both of those would also work. Holiness or uh, or maybe righteousness would fit a little better, but uh, I actually say Christ-likeness. Um... And here's what the, the verse is saying here. And this is really important because sometimes it gets a... I actually did my... One of the reasons I went to this passage probably... I, say, I took um, Biblical Greek. It was my minor, one of my minors in college. I had to do this huge project, like 50 pages or something, on um, Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. So I spent a lot of time with this, like looking at it in the Greek and picking about the grammar and stuff. Something that I found that has been really important to my understanding of this whole thing and um, just this passage was that some um, translations are a little hard to understand by this. They say, um, but be filled with the Spirit. It actually says there. But um, if you notice, I I actually said with. (laughs) Um, The better way to say it is actually be filled by the Spirit. And there's two ways you can think about this. I think usually um, in church and sometimes especially like if you go to like a more charismatic Pentecostal church, um, there's a lot of emphasis on the Spirit. And you sing songs like, Oh Spirit, come fill us. Um, and so it's kind of this idea, and if they talk a lot about, and even in, you know, in other churches too, they talk a lot about um, Spirit fill us. And my question is always, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to have the Spirit fill us? And, um, ooh, let there be life. Most magical one. Um... And it's a little, it's kind of an abstract idea. It's really hard to say, what does it mean for the Spirit to, to come and fill us? Because the Bible actually says when we become Christians, the Spirit fills us. They, it, he comes into us. this one time. But then it's, 
Like, what does this extra filling mean and stuff? So actually what I found um, is that a better way to, t- to translate this and talk about it is be filled by the Spirit. Now, the first one is like, picture yourself as an empty pitcher. Yeah, got it? Empty glass, empty pitcher. Right? If, number one, be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is what fills you up. But be filled by the Spirit is what is doing the pouring into you. Does that make sense? It's the agent, the, the person that is pouring something into you when you say be filled by the Spirit. And so what is the Spirit filling you with? Christ-likeness. And I think this is a much more like, again, we're talking about biblical worldview. I think this is a much more biblical idea about what this, the Holy Spirit actually does for us. He's a comforter, and, and the Bible lists a lot of different things that he does. And the Spirit is always pointing to Jesus, is always pointing to Christ. And so I think a better way to talk about this is be filled by the Spirit, and you, the Spirit is filling you with Christ-likeness. And if I had included the next couple of verses, it says, after that, speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so it's the idea that when the Spirit fills you with this Christ-likeness, the, the thing that happens is you start singing and, and speaking in spiritual songs and you know, communi- excuse me, communicating with other people about this. Um, the reason I say control again is that there's kind of parallel ideas here. I don't know if you noticed this. It says, um, it says, do not, I'll, I'll paraphrase here, do not be filled with wine, which leads to bad behavior, but be filled with the spirit, which leads to good behavior or righteousness or Christ-likeness. So it's kind of this parallel, and the idea here is one of control. And that's why I summed it up as control. The first one, it says, what's controlling you? Is it something that leads to debauchery? Is it something that leads to something bad? Or is the spirit controlling you that leads to righteousness? So we can't just remove, this is the next blank there, we can't just remove, we must also replace. And uh, I'm kind of setting this up so we can talk about this here because I think this is really, really important. Um, I've talked about this before, that if it just says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, the end. It's not really very helpful, um, because I think, maybe I know I used to think of it this way, um, it's just kind of like, sometimes you can view Christianity in church as a list of, thing, of don'ts. These are the things you can't do. And I think that is so, so wrong, um, and it leads to really bad thinking. And just I said this before, if you're just taking off all those things, if you're just getting rid of all those things, you're just an empty person. If you were filled with debauchery before and you get rid of debauchery, then you're just empty. Your picture is empty, right? You have to fill it with something else. Otherwise, you're not going to be a person. You're just going to be this empty thing walking around who doesn't do anything and doesn't have anything to replace that either. And it's like I talked about before, um, the Bible also says, says, take off the old man with its sinful desires and put on the new man which is, has Christ-likeness. Um, so this is, I think this is so important and I can't say this enough to you guys. It's just that um, Christianity and, and this whole thing, this whole story is more than just like not doing things. It, and so often the Bible gives you, it says, don't do this, but do this instead. And so what it's saying is, don't be controlled by these things. Be controlled by the Spirit which leads to righteousness, which leads to Christ-likeness, which leads to holiness. Um, so the question is, what is it that fills you? Is it lust? Is it ambition? Is it drugs? These are the things, yeah, these are the things that we're talking about. Um, 
these things fill you with something, and and then they control you. So if you are being filled by lust, that's going to lead to bad actions. If you, if lust is always controlling you, something happens. This is more maybe a guy thing, um, like you always have lustful thoughts running through your mind. That controls you. That's like in charge of you, um, and it leads to, to horrible things, to death. If it's alcohol that's controlling you, it says it leads to debauchery, to drunken behavior, to doing horrible things. If it's ambition that controls you, what's going to drive you? Success, money, always being better than other people. That controls you. This actually goes really well with what we talked about in Sunday school last week, where it says, how did you profit from being a slave to sin? When these things are, you're, you're a slave to these things, it only leads to death. Because they're not, they're not what you need. You need to be a slave to righteousness. You need to be filled and controlled by the Spirit. And so I think the reason that this is so, so important, and the issue really of what's going on here, is that, you know, there's some people that say, don't drink at all, drinking is evil, alcohol is evil, the end. And I know this is um, culturally more where I come from, um, the kind of church that I came from. It's like, no one drinks, the end. Uh, and I know it's not really that way in this church, uh, at least from my experience. And I find it actually very refreshing because I grew up around a lot of churches and just in an environment where it was like, alcohol might as well have a picture of Satan on the front of it, you know? Um, and I don't think that's true. I don't think the Bible condemns like outright alcohol, but it does talk a lot about drunkenness because of what? The issue of control. When you let alcohol control you, you are not in control of yourself anymore, first of all, when you're drunk. You're definitely not letting the spirit have control of you. Yeah. So it's saying like you can drink, just don't get out of control. Don't get drunk. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna talk more about this. I'm just okay. touching the practical issues now. But the Bible, yeah, the Bible, um, and you know, there are gonna people be people who disagree with me, and I think they're wrong. <laughs> but um, Jesus drank alcohol. The first miracle he performed was turning water into wine. You know, sometimes people say it was just grape juice or whatever, which is just a load of bunk because people still got drunk off of it. Um, but the Bible talks a lot of, about people drinking alcohol. It's, it does. Um, but it always, always contains drunkenness. Um, and so exercising a lot of caution is really, really important. Um, and so, like I said, it's an issue of control. When you let alcohol control you, you, first of all, you're definitely not in control of yourself when you're drunk. You know? That's the, kind of the whole point of it, you know? And the Bible is saying, no, don't be drunk with wine or alcohol, which leads to this horrible stuff. Be drunk, be filled with the Holy Spirit, which leads to righteousness. So it's saying, you know, maybe you like to go out and party and get drunk on weekends, but you have to understand that that leads ultimately to death and a dead end. But be filled with the Spirit. Be drunk on the Spirit. That leads to righteousness, and that's what you want. That is being more like... God, who you were created in his image. And I know I say that all the time, but unless you're becoming more in God's image, you're you're never going to be fulfilled because that's what we're created to be. Um, So I think this is also true for drugs, um, too. Like, you start using drugs, you're out of control. But the important thing that I want you to get more than anything about this is that I think you guys know, don't do drugs. Don't get drunk. You know, like, you've probably heard that before. Um, But I don't want you to leave empty. I don't want this to be another, don't do this, don't do this, drugs are bad, being drunk's bad, the end. It's so not about that. It is about the other side of it, 
don't just be an empty person and, and not do these things, but do something else. Be filled with the Spirit. Fill instead your, your life, your time with God's Word, with praise to Him, singing, um, understanding, knowing more of God. That's what it's about. Asking and being filled with the Spirit. can't just take away or remove. We have to replace. Um, I wanted to share a little application from my life, personally, because, as I said, my background is um, probably different than some of you. I know that uh, many people in the church don't, it's, they don't view alcohol as like this necessarily evil thing. But I grew up that way. But um, my viewpoint definitely changed in just reading the Bible and stuff. And I think it's okay to drink. But Rich and I do not drink at all. Um, which some people are like, well, you know, that's kind of weird because you don't think it's wrong, but you still don't do it. But um, there's a couple reasons for this. Number one, I don't think that it's wrong to drink alcohol, but I do think it's wrong to be drunk. So number one is more of like a careful issue. And I'm not saying that the moment alcohol touches my lips, I will immediately go on a drunken, brawling spree. You know, But um, part of it is carefulness. But actually, um, one of the big reasons is that alcoholism runs in Rachel's family. Um, there's been a lot of people in Rachel's family that have struggled with alcoholism, and it kind of runs in families. It's kind of a genetic thing that people are more predisposed toward that. So um, we just kind of stay away from it for that reason. Because um, better to not even... If you never start down that road, you're not going to end up at the dead end, you know? Um, and then number three, and you think this maybe, might think this one's a little weird, is... Um, I don't drink because you guys can't. Um, and as a youth pastor, I think it's a little, it's not mean or anything or necessarily weird, but like if we're someplace and, and like I'm just like drinking away, you know, and you guys are like, what's he doing? You know, like, um, so that's another reason. And uh, probably, I probably just either never will or just won't very much in my life because I really feel called to be a pastor and a uh a leader and a trainer and theological things. And so I know that a lot of people struggle with this issue, and I really don't, but I don't think it's my place to make them struggle with it more. Because they see, there's actually um, this chapter in Romans that talks about this, where, like, don't do something that will make other people stumble or trip up. Like, maybe I can drink and I don't have a problem with it, but there could be someone else who, like, looks at me and says, you know what, I really struggle with this problem with drinking. But the pastor's doing it, he's doing it, so it must be okay. And then I lead him into something bad, you know? So those are my reasons. That's just personal story on this issue. Um, the other thing that I think is very interesting about this is that we kind of separate these two. I wanted to bring this up. We separate alcohol and drugs. We're like, drugs is the bad one. Um, but we don't think of drunkenness as, as bad. When in fact, it probably leads to more deaths and bad things happening than drugs. When you think about it, about all the the um, drunken brawls, drunken driving accidents, all this stuff, drunkenness leads to so many problems. And I just want you guys to make sure that I, probably you've had it drilled into your head since kindergarten. You know, take a bite out of crime, don't do drugs, you know, all this stuff. Like, but I want to stress to you that drunkenness can be just as bad. And the really interesting thing, I was actually going to tell this story at the beginning, is that we have a, a bunch of neighbors who are Muslims, um, and we hang out with them a lot, they have kids, and we talk to them. And I was talking to one of the guys once, uh, to this guy, Abdullah, once. We were talking about this issue, and he was, they're from Saudi Arabia. 
Um, and they have some really strict punishments in Saudi Arabia. Like, you can get the death penalty for, like, rape and violent crime, and if you steal something, you get your hand cut off. And, and there's rules about it. Like, they're pretty specific. But um, we were just talking about stuff, and I, I asked, we were just talking about the differences between the country, and he said, well, I felt a lot safer in Saudi Arabia. And, um, and I think that's true, too, because I felt safer in China for <laughs> kind of the same reason. Like, they have um, a lot stricter laws about a lot of things. Um, but we were just talking about stuff, and he says, I think one of the big differences is that as a country, the country of Saudi Arabia, because it's an Islamic country, does not sell alcohol, period. Like, you cannot get it. Um, he said, I think this, that's one of the reasons that I don't feel is safe here, is because... There's so many problems with alcohol, and it leads people to do so many dumb things. Um, And I think that this is really a big problem. And I just thought that was really enlightening for me, just thinking about this whole issue, um, because he didn't talk about drugs or anything at all. He just talked about alcohol. I just want to make sure you guys are thinking about these things, that both of them are just as serious, and that struggling with alcohol is just can be just as serious as struggling with drugs. The only difference between them is the laws are a little different. Which brings me to a point... There is another issue that relates to this topic. Does anyone know what that last blank is? It is the law. (laughs) The law. And this is what I think is really, really important about it. Because, you know, again, I know you've had don't do drugs pounded into your head probably a lot in school. But not so much the alcohol side of things probably... And the thing that I think is really important, especially for teenagers, because I've heard some of you say, or I just know, and I've talked to other people before, too, they're like, you know, I'm really pressured to drink and go to parties at school or whatever. One thing I want you to understand about this, and I've said a lot of stuff, like I don't think alcohol is wrong and stuff, but I do want you to understand this. It is illegal for you to drink, to buy liquor and to drink. And that should be where it stops right there. Like... And I think that this is a really important thing. Like, <clears throat> you guys need to take the law seriously, not just on this, but a lot of other things as well. Like, there's this stretches to so many things, whether it's, like, downloading <coughs> a pirated movie online or whatever. You know, there's so many things that there are laws about these things. And I think we just need to take laws seriously. Um, and we could have an entire other message, and perhaps we will, just about submitting to the law and... Uh, our role as citizens, but also especially as Christians in doing that. And I think that um, it's really important to this issue, especially because here's the law. And so you're at a party, you're like, should I do this or not? I'm so torn. Craig said that it's, it's not necessarily bad, but what if I get drunk? Well, just stop right there and, and ask the first question. I have questions to ask. Is it illegal to do this? If the answer is yes, stop there. <laughs> that one's... There's a progression to these questions. Um, interestingly enough, I did look this up. It is illegal for you to purchase alcohol if you're under 21. That's nationwide. Um, and also in Ohio, it is illegal for you to purchase alcohol. But it is legal for you to consume alcohol if you're in the presence of your parent and they give you permission. But I'm not guessing a lot of you are struggling with drunkenness in the presence of your parents. And that's the whole point, I think, behind the law, is that if people, kids are drinking young, parents are teaching them to do it responsibly and like we talked about. But I just want you to be aware of the law. And, and first question, you come to this, this issue, this 
place in your mind and you feel so pressured, first question to ask, is it illegal to do this? <coughs> if the answer is yes, you're done right there. Pressure gone, you know your decision. Not saying that it's not going to be hard to say no or anything like that. But that's your first question. And if the answer is no, then you already know what to do. I think there's a lot of, even uh, among Christian teenagers, there's just a lot of confusion about this. They're like, I just don't know what I should do. Well, I know what you should do. Don't break the law. <laughs> you know, the end. Um, so that's number one. So let's say it is legal to do this. Let's say this is me we're talking about here. Uh, I can legally consume alcohol. I can buy it. Uh, is it beneficial for me to do this? So what am, what am I going to profit from doing this? And, you know, maybe it'll be I'll have fun or maybe there is actually something that could be like in my case. Um, someone has offered me a glass of alcoholic beverage someplace and I don't know them very well and it would be very rude to refuse um, at their house. And so it, it would actually be a good thing maybe for me to say, OK, I'll, I'll do it. So it could be beneficial. Next question, is it wise to do this? This is this first where it says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So there could be benefits to it, but you've got to ask yourself the question, where is this going to lead me? Basically, you're thinking, does this action have a consequence that I don't want to deal with? Is this leading me into a greater relationship with God in doing this? Um, and that's really what wisdom is, knowing God more, making decisions that honor him. So let's say you get through all those. Final question. What is controlling my desire in doing this? And I think up until this point, you know, like you can really probably pretty easily deceive yourself and make excuses for it. But really this last one is just what we were talking about. If I make this decision, what, what is in control of me? If I have sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend, is lust in control of me? Is there a really good reason? Is the spirit in control of me? If I am drinking, am I letting that control me? If I am doing drugs... You know, what is controlling me? That's really the issue, you know, that I've made out of this whole thing. And I think, again, that first verse does fit, you know, honor God with your body. And this fits, both of these things fit for so many things, whether it's overeating or undereating or alcohol, <coughs> drugs, um, lack of sleep. Basically, what it's saying is let the spirit control your body. Do things that enable you to honor God and don't destroy your body for your own purposes. And this just, just goes so far. It doesn't end with alcohol and drugs. And it basically is, think about what you're doing to yourself and, by extension, um, to God. It is God's property. That's what it says. Your body is God's. And, and you're part of a bigger body, the church. What are your actions going to do? What's controlling you when you make this decision? And make your decision based on that. And I hope these questions are um, helpful to you in figuring some things out, just understanding what we're talking about. I did have a little story I wanted to share, but we don't really have time. Um, but it was just kind of demonstrated. Um, it was a, a section from a book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce, and it was um, actually about a man and lust, and it kind of personifies lust, and it showed how it controlled him. Um, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to ask me later or whatever about anything that we ever talk about. Remember to, I just want this to be helpful to you guys, in, again, in building a biblical worldview about some of these issues that we don't usually talk about. So let's pray, and we'll be done. I'll do some announcements, and we'll be done. Wait, what's No, go ahead. What's our next topic? What is our next topic? Our next topic is um, 
beginning of the year kickoff party. That's next week. That's that's my announcement coming up. So, um, so let's pray, and then we'll talk about that. Lord Jesus, uh, again, we thank you so much for tonight, and we just ask that you would control us, that your spirit would fill us with Christ-likeness, with righteousness, and we ask that you would make us, as we talked about last Sunday, your slave. We want to serve you. We want you to be our master, not lust or ambition or success or whatever it is that we're letting control us. We just ask that you would break that control over us and that you would control us instead, that we could be more like you because um, we're made in your image. And <clears throat> help us in times where we feel pressured, um, especially for teenagers, but for me too, feel pressured to do things that we're unsure about, to think clearly and to think through some of these questions, to think through what's controlling us and what is making our decision and to choose Christ-likeness, to choose you. We ask that you would give us the strength to do that. And <clears throat> before that, Lord, we just ask that you would put a, a love for you in our hearts so deep so that what we really live for is you every day, so that when we come to these things, we're already being controlled by you and by a desire to please you and to be more like you. We just ask that you would bring that to us. We just thank you so much for taking away sin so that we can have a relationship with you. Because that's what it's really about, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to know you on earth and to be with you in heaven. In your name we pray. Amen.